Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome in to this special Masters edition of Big Drive Energy. I am at Big Drive Spence on Twitter, of course, co-hosting with me, as always, my little brother, the legend of golf and all things Masters, at Big Drive Mitch. And you know we had to do it. It's a big week. It is the Super Bowl week in golf. So we had to bring on the DNVR utility knife i i couldn't <laughs> think of the it, word the dnvr utility knife he can talk about bets he can talk about golf he can talk about basketball football but we're going to talk about golf today and that is ryan konigsberg rk rk was on the first like four podcasts with us he let us he let us fly he we our wings were clipped and then he finally let us go and now we we got to have him back because we had him on for la- masters last year he knows his stuff we're all going to be watching golf this weekend so RK, welcome and thanks for joining us. What's up? It's so weird. It feels like the the Masters was like a couple months ago. Yeah, it was. It was 154 days ago. It's so it was, weird. Like I, I was I was joking with Mitch before this. I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna pick Jim Furyk as my long shot. And he started going off again. I'm like, we already did this like two months ago. <laughs> yeah, we just did this. I feel like. Well, I was telling Spencer last episode. I was like, dude, this is almost abuse to have two Masters within five months of each other because. The more masters, the better. I think. I don't think anybody would complain if there was a spring masters and a fall masters every year, or just like a fifth major. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But the NFL just went from sixteen games to seventeen games. Um, what is when did they start that seventy-five or something? So yeah. I mean, there's long traditions that have been changed. So you never know if if Usually golf. Could, if there's more money to be made. The people who make decisions will make will uh, like that. So you I think, think a fifth so. major is coming at some point because the majors are what make them money. Oh, yeah. The ratings are through the roof. I mean, you're not going to make a whole lot of money at Augusta off of the pimento sandwiches and the beers. They're notoriously cheap. Um, you buy a beer and a sandwich for five bucks. Like, it's it's nuts. I mean, the, the toughest thing about Augusta is getting into Augusta. And then once you're there, it's all... It's all fairly cheap. Well, I I don't think the merchandise is, but everything's pretty inexpensive once you get in there, booze-wise and and food-wise. And I I would obviously it's a dream for everybody to go to Augusta one day. But I am just so stoked about this Masters week, and we'll have the azaleas back. We'll have all the colors back. It's not going to be the the fall kind of brownish green hue. It's going to be bright green and pink and all the colors. It's going to be something else. Yeah, definitely from a condition standpoint, this Masters will look a lot different than it did in November. And we all talked about that when we previewed the November Masters about how certain players may benefit from it, certain players may hate it. And then this year, 
it's going back to kind of the traditional feel of the soft greens. They're going to be fast, but where you have weather forecasts for this weekend of rain and, and that if it softens up, long hitters are going to benefit because it's, it's tipping out. It's playing 7,545 yards, which is a long ass golf course, even for us in Colorado. And this is at in Georgia at pretty damn close to sea level. Yeah, and I mean the humidity is uh, let's see here, only twenty three percent right now. But I'm assuming they're they're Weather forecasting over here. <laughs> they're forecasting rain Friday and Saturday, and eighty four. So I'm assuming it's just going to be sticky. It's just going to be real sticky down there. Just so big, sticky wicket. <laughs> um, so for also for this Masters, uh, there will be fans. Uh, Augusta didn't announce the official number because I think they allow their members and stuff to go, so they didn't want to like make it seem like because they, they always were, just want to be secretive about fucking everything for yeah, no reason. Exactly. So they didn't it's announce their world, how many. We're just living in it. Yeah. Um, but there will be fans this year, and I think that's something that played into the last Masters, as we saw a lot. You know, Dustin Johnson won it, who has most some of the most experienced on tour currently, but we saw a lot of first and second year players like making runs. And you don't normally see that at Augusta because there's so much pressure. There's so many people lining every fairway. And so there'll be people, you won't hear the roars. You won't hear Amen corner as loud as it normally is, but at least there will be some people that get to go this year and, and make it kind of back to normal feeling masters, especially since it's in April again. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like you said, I mean, it's so quiet out there. All the grounds are out at Augusta to begin with that. Even if there's a quarter of the fans, the roars will still be heard all over the property. It's going to be electric. It's going to be so much fun. The roar, we need the roar back. Yeah. Yes. We what? we need the fans. Yeah. That, that makes... Because it also, like, as a golfer, just totally fucks with your mind when you're on, like, 17. Exactly. And you hear a roar from somewhere else, from especially on you. Sunday. Yep. You have no idea what is then happening. You're so scoreboard I, watching even more because you're hearing roars all over the place. You're like, who just made what? You know, you're checking your position even more. Yeah, so I actually have a quick question for you guys, kind of relating to this. If you were a professional golfer on tour, like these guys are, would you want to know where you stood at every moment, or would you just want to play the best round you could play? RK, I'll start with you first. Uh, I want to say like, oh, it's just you in the course, and like you, <laughs> but like you definitely need to know where you are. Oh like, yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I think by like the 18th hole, like if you know know you need to make birdie, you have to know that. Like you can't. You definitely need that, but I'm saying like even like on like the eighth hole, like I don't know, but. With that said, as soon as you start thinking about that stuff, it will fuck you up. Yeah. Like, it, for sure. Like, I've been, you know, within, I, I don't know, I, I, I'll i be coming in, like, on the 14th hole, and I'm like, oh, if I can birdie two out of the last four, I can shoot my personal record. Like, if you start thinking that way, it, oh, yeah. for me, at least, it ruins me. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. Um, you have to know where you're at, but you can't necessarily let it affect – and all these guys have a game plan going in. Usually, uh, depending on pin location, all these guys, like mentally, they're just football fields past everybody else. Like they, they have their rounds pre-planned in their head. If they could ideally play them, what would happen? And so these guys kind of have a game plan for each hole. And I think unless, I, I don't think it would make a guy press in the middle of a round. I think they would start pressing and altering their game plan towards the end of a round. But, like, if you're making the turn 
and you see the scoreboard and, and you realize you're a couple back, I don't think you necessarily start pressing because you know there's birdies out there. There's gettable par fives. But then if you get to 17 and 18 and you need one or two, you have to know that. So it's, it's a balance there. Do these guys, like, pick out their birdies before? The, like, or do they want to birdie every hole? They definitely pick their spots. They pick their birdies. And they even pick what birdie holes are by what pin and what day. Right. right. Like, they, if it's a gettable pin, that can take a really tough hole and make it a little easier hole. They can take an easy hole and make it a tough hole. I mean, 16, for instance, uh, the par 3 is very gettable with that lower left pin location. I mean, we've seen – I can't even – remember how many hole in ones but then you stick that pin back right or front right it's even worse yeah. i think that's where they had it last year on sunday sunday was front right yeah pin, and yeah. that shit is hard like <laughs> everybody is so impressed with the tucked left pin and they're like oh my god how, how like how do they have the guts to take that on that's a pretty easy shot for most tour players you toss it out there in the middle of the green and it really doesn't matter if you fade it into the middle of the green if you draw it in the middle of the green it it's going to come down into that area but to have that front right hole location for drawers of the ball first of all the eye like your eye line is so fucked up mm -hmm. because you're aiming over the, the middle of that bunker and then you're trying to draw it kind of off that edge but it just doesn't set your eye very well and I think there is definitely a lot less birdies. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would assume there's a lot less birdies on the front right hole location than there was on that middle left. So, yeah, it just depends on the hole and the location. But do you play that way? Like when you go to play, Spring I try to Valley. birdie everything. OK, I, yeah, no, I, I honestly, even when I was playing professionally, I wasn't mentally stable enough to not try to birdie every hole. Yeah. And that usually didn't work out. So that's yeah. That's why I'm not playing professionally anymore. So I tried to birdie <laughs> that's every why I'm fucking doing hole. This podcast. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm sitting here podcasting because I tried to make birdie everywhere. Tough so. scene. Tough scene. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It it takes a lot of discipline. Yeah. To you see a pin and you're like, oh, I could hit like a three yard cut in there, and you you have this picture in your mind of what it's gonna look like, and you just get so stoked about a shot. You're like, I can't wait to make the shot. But the actual probability of you pulling it off is a totally different story. Because yep. everybody naturally thinks they have every shot in the bag. Right. And they don't. <laughs> I feel like that gets me sometimes is where, like, you know, it's already rare enough. Maybe not rare. I'm going to say it's rare. It's already rare enough for me to be, like, deep in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> then I'm just like, okay, now that I'm here, I have to pin this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. not like, oh, okay, the smart play here is to hit it to the middle of the green, get a nice two-putt. I'm like... I'm like, oh, I hit it 320 down the middle. Exactly. Now I need to put this to three feet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It totally. Honestly, hitting a a worse drive sometimes. Not a worse drive. Like, it has a mediocre drive can actually benefit you because it forces you to lay back. Mm -hmm. When you hit that really good drive, there's oftentimes where it turns an opportunity or it turns a shot into an opportunity you didn't think you had on that hole. Yep. And so then you get overly aggressive and, and Augusta will eat your lunch. Like these guys, like I said, their discipline levels through the roof because there's a lot of holes where you can drive it down there super far. Like even the par five, uh, 13, when they have that front right pin, you just see guys throwing it in the middle of the green all day, two putting for birdie and getting out of there. And I mean, you got to be licking your chops if you drive one down there really far. You're going to have, I mean, Bryson will probably have a short iron in there. And he's not going to aim at that flag. Um, I think he's too smart for that. But 
yeah it, it definitely depends on where the pins at and and where you place your drive really and what kind of opportunity you have well yeah like last year i remember rory when he was kind of making a charge on sunday number i think it's six is a par four and they were bombing it down having like 80 yards in and they hated it and they and none of us would hit a drive 80 yards out from a par four in the center of the fairway and hate it and then they were ripping it off the back of the green or they were ripping it off the front of the green on a short tucked pin and they just had no chance yeah and i think the the thing that we don't realize watching golf and then like actually if we actually went to augusta is how crazy the undulations are on the green from what they look like on tv they look like so simple and you look at it you're like ah oh, they can easily toss one in there they're the best players in the world and just like the difference between an eye line look them looking at a 90 yard shot from a 120 yard shot with a better eye line they'd much rather have the 120 yard shot because it's so hard to get it close especially when you're looking at a uh when you're looking at a pin where you don't really feel comfortable, half of it's comfortability. And that's why you see a lot of golf tournaments. Well, that's like why what we make picks on and what I make picks on every week is guys that are comfortable at certain tracks. And yep. we, and you could be a 20 handicap and still be comfortable at more track, like certain track and feel like you're going to play well there. And you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that applies to everyone, right? Like when your friend tells you like, oh, let's go play this course. And you, you know, you know, you shot even there last time you played. You're like, ooh. Like, yeah. yeah, you're like, I'm in. definitely play there. Exactly. Yeah. We all have that no matter how good of a golfer we are. And th this is a course where guys really just make shots and feel comfortable. Tiger Woods is obviously one of them. But even guys like Angel Cabrera has finished. He's won this tournament. He's finished as a runner up. Jordan Spieth, who we can actually talk about right now, if you guys, guys want to get into that little Valero Texas Open. But he's super comfortable at Augusta. But here's my thing. So congratulations, Jordan Spieth, on winning the Valero Texas Open. First win in over 1,700 days. Uh, went into a real dark place. Everybody For, for non-math people, that's like four and a half years. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I, no, that's... You said 1,700? Or it was maybe 1,300 days. I was going to say, yeah. So, you, yeah, it, you got me all fucked up there. It was a little I over think three you years. Went, I think you won in 2017. All right, so roughly fourteen hundred days. <laughs> Seven, yeah, uh, okay, a lot of yeah. days. A lot yeah, of days. Quite a since few days. His last win, and I think the cool thing about this whole Spieth story from this weekend was just the perseverance that he had to stick with his swing coach, stick with his mental coach, stick with the things he was doing, and because everybody's pressuring him to like leave that, and everybody was like, "Dude, you need to get out of this. You need to leave. You need to do this." And then, and so he even like got kind of teared up when he was putting the boots on at the Valero Texas Open. New boot goofing. New boot goofing. Oh. Great. Great tweet from the PGA Tour, by the way, this weekend. But uh, he was like in tears because it means so much more to him sticking with the people that do it and, and sticking with the people that got him to where he was. Where honestly, in 2016 17, I was like, Jordan Spieth's going to be the best golfer in history. He's going to surpass Tiger Woods. I legitimately thought that. And now it took him three years to. Well, win. you're a fucking idiot. But, well, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> prisoner I mean. of the moment. Spencer also likes to jump off any Rockies, Nuggets, Broncos bandwagon when they lose like two games in a row. Damn. So Spencer's very prisoner of the moment, and it's about. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to take that shot at you, but it's, it, you know it's the truth. Spencer's like uh, Mike Malone needs to go. Blah blah blah. We're talking <laughs> golf here, but he Spencer's just... going after the Abs when they lost the game because like three shots went in, <laughs> went in off their skates. See, yeah, Spencer's yeah, very did, very prisoner of the moment. It on it's they a... haven't lost a game in regulation <laughs> since then. Since February, <laughs> March eighth was the oh, last was time. It, I th yeah. Okay. Oh, in regular. Okay. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, it's definitely about the longevity, and I think Spieth will definitely get back there. But it is fairly old school to see a guy 
stick with an instructor, stick with his whole team. Because nowadays it's such an instant gratification thing where if you're not winning once or twice at least a year, you're especially the way Jordan started his career. If you're not winning once or twice a year following what you kind of started with, people are going to look at you like your game got worse. And he actually mentioned that. He said this was or last year was the first year of his career. Or was it three years ago? I don't when he went on this horrible run of golf, it feels like it's been forever. But he said at every year in his golf game that he had played golf since he was alive, he felt like he had gotten better. And then he said one year, he's like, I felt like I didn't get any better. I actually got worse. And I feel like no matter if you're a tour player, if you're a, a 10 handicap, whatever, everybody hits those plateaus and actually hits a little bit of a decline where you get to a point where you, you just you kind of hit a wall and you really explain it but there's just one or two aspects of your game that kind of fall off a little bit and then you just can't get it right and you spend a whole season like pan kind of like panicking like you're like what the fuck's going on here but jordan spieth kudos to him he he uh seemed to get it sorted out and it, it really did start with the phoenix open when he went crazy down there shot like what 63 on saturday or something like that he didn't end up winning but it was kind of the the first flash of really good golf that we've seen out of him in years. And then now it culminated in a win at the Texas Open, so that was pretty cool. I think it's one of the beautiful things about golf and also one of the terrible things about golf. But there's no – a lot of things are out of your control. Like, you can practice as much as you want, and you can hit a slump, and there's you can't practice your way out of yeah. it. Yeah. Like there's it's my in my opinion, it's because there are so so many moving pieces to a golf swing, that literally something can be a half a percent off, and you can't like figure out what it is until you just feel it and it comes back. And on the on the other side of things with golf, you can just get hot, and just stay hot and like you don't need to do anything and it just happens and it's confidence and all that stuff. And I think to me it's like the the most beautiful and challenging part of the game is you can't just control everything about it you can't just try harder and, and that's with a lot of sports but there's something about golf where it's like there's a portion of it that's just like up to the golf gods yeah yeah and you you kind of have to like you said there's a certain amount that's out of your control and the more you try to control it the the harder it becomes yep like it, it it's such a game of give and take, you know, because there's going to be rounds where you're like, oh, well, I could have made these three putts. Well, I also could have missed these four putts, but nobody ever looks at that side of things. Right. So you just have to ride the highs and, and push through push through the lows. Uh, but, yeah, credit to Jordan Spieth. That was awesome. And to win in his home state. But since this is a Masters episode, we're going to talk about how that affects how we feel about his odds at the Masters because – now he's what in the top – he's top 10 odds to uh, win the Masters this and week. And he has so. the most bets of yeah. anyone. Oh, yeah. Everybody. 17% of the bets, I believe. Here's a, here's a quick question for you guys. Do you think Jordan Spieth is the most polarizing golfer since Tiger Woods? I think he's, Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's the second most. I okay. Think. But I'm talking – I guess from like a rooting interest, like a likability standpoint. Because I feel like Tiger – everybody fell in love with Tiger Woods – and now it seems like Jordan Spieth's almost that golden boy. But I feel like he doesn't bring 
as near as much to the table, obviously, as Tiger. But even there's so many other guys that uh, have made similar runs that he has, and everybody just seems to have fallen in love with Jordan Spieth. Like, I don't know. So you think DeChambeau or? I guess DeChambeau's a lot harder to love. There's not it, much to love about DeChambeau. He's very polarizing, but not a lot of people like him. Yeah. Everybody just roots for Jordan Spieth. It's, it's like he's a, a white kid from suburban Dallas. Like, I mean, like what's the story to read? Yeah, with? exactly. What's what's the advantage or like what's the disadvantage so, he started with? I'm sorry, but he didn't. So obviously in Gaul, you know, I am a Denver sports fan. Like my whole life, I've never been someone who strayed away from the hometown teams. In golf, there's no hometown team. So for me, the hometown team is Nike. And so I've never liked Jordan Spieth because he's an Under Armour guy. Like, I just can't I can't fuck with Under Armour guys. Uh, so I've always been, like, fighting because, like, I want to like him. But I just – I don't fuck with Under Armour. Yeah, it was kind of like when Steph Curry went to Under Armour, too. I was like, I don't Lame. love that. Lame. If he would have gone to Jordan or whatever, I would have been like, ah, I like that. But, yeah, I agree. The whole Under Armour thing. And Spieth's first shoes he dropped, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of. They were kind of ugly. So, I, I don't know. That's I, I would agree with you. That's kind of how I roll. I do have a pair of Under Armour Jordan Spieths. I, I think they're, like them? I you, think they're fire. I think you wore them once, like, four years ago. And I, I shot under par the first time I wore them. <laughs> so, now I can't wear them every time because then if I don't shoot under par, they just won't keep that same energy. Whatever. Fair. I don't think shoes have energy, but whatever you say, man. Everything has energy in this in this world. That's it's okay. all about vibes. Yeah, it's just a straight vibe. Are you like, a Sagittarius? I, I actually <laughs> are am. Are you a Capri Sun? <laughs> <laughs> I am actually a Sagittarius. But so moving I, on. That was that was the most random. Like I, that's one of the only signs that I know. So I just threw that out there. Well, I, you were right. I didn't so know you're Sagittarius. You had that vibe. You had my vibe. <laughs> what, what a vibes. Sag. Big Sag vibes. <laughs> All right, so getting <laughs> getting into a little bit of who... So, talking about Jordan Spieth, I personally had Jordan Spieth I bookmarked for this tournament because he showed flashes in Arizona a couple weeks ago. Took some two weeks Two months up. ago. Oh, was it that long ago? <laughs> yes. All right, well, two months ago, he showed some flashes. It was March, so it wasn't that, that long ago. I think it was the last week of February. Anywho. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So he showed some flashes. He's, I think, ran, been runner-up at Masters twice and won it once. So immediately that guy goes to the top of my list, and then you kind of go, all right, who's played well at this course? And then you move up to who's playing well right now. But I personally, just like on a roulette wheel, if I'm if I'm picking a number on a roulette wheel and it just went to that number, there is no chance it hits that again. In reality, it's the same exact chance it just had the last time. Exactly. Now, golf isn't exactly like that because there's so many other factors. But I believe that Jordan Spieth has taken himself out of contention for winning this Masters. What do you guys think? So, I'm way higher on him than I was a week ago. Um, yeah. But I don't think he's going to win. I think the play with him is top 10 or top 5 because I just think he's going to keep it rolling, stay hot, play really well all that good stuff but winning twice in a row is extremely hard yes well and that's the thing is he won't lose momentum if he top fives or top tens everybody's gonna be like oh my god he's on this hot streak uh you know he doesn't have to win in order to keep this momentum because golf is that hard but spencer and i were kind of having a debate earlier like why would you be higher on somebody when they haven't won in four years and now all of a sudden he wins and now he he moves down your board like that is the most back 
asswards thing I've ever heard of in my life. So, I, I mean, but I get it. It's just funny how golf works. Like, it is that hard to win back-to-back tournaments. Think of it this way, right? If you go out and shoot 69 tomorrow, and then I bet you $100 that you can't do it again, like, you're not going to be – you're going to feel like, God damn it, it's going to be really hard for me to do it two times in a row. Yeah, and, and there's some outside circumstances that come into it, but, like, I think – there was such a weight lifted off his shoulders last week yep. that I, I really didn't think that anyone was super high on him to win the masters up until, and I really don't think they will be this week either because he literally just won the week before. So I still kind of think he's playing with house money a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely see how it pans out, but, and yeah, I, I wouldn't pick him to win necessarily, but I definitely think he'll play well because momentum in golf, like RK was talking about is, something that you cannot top when the hole looks like it's the size of a beach ball and you can't miss a fairway while Spieth still misses plenty of fairways. But when Spieth was at the peak of his game, he was making everything he looked at. And Do you then, guys think it's crazy that how much pros miss fairways? Oh yeah. I think every single stat when I look at blows it blows mind. my mind yeah. of how low the numbers are compared to what you think they should be. Like, th- and this is naive and wrong, <laughs> but I just think like if I played, all I did every day was play golf. I could hit the fairway like nine times out of 10. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they, it's crazy. Like I, and like they very clearly prove that's not true. It just shows you how fucking hard the game is. Like if those guys can't just place it in the fairway, like I feel better about the fact that I can almost never do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's where expectations come into play. Once you, if you were at like a PGA tour nerd stat head, you'd feel so much better about your game of golf because of, the amount of putts that are missed from six feet that when every time I have anything inside of eight feet, I, especially if it's for birdie, I'm like, I have to make this. Like, this is an opportunity. Like I need to make this. And I think it's just due to the fact I don't hit it very close. Same, same with wedges inside of a hundred yards. I mean, like RK was saying earlier, you hit, you hit a really good drive, but that's the difference is all these guys on tour know all these stats and they know they pick and choose their spots and, they also they, know exactly where they want to hit it on the green. Yeah, and all it, exactly. But the fact that these guys are hitting, what is it, like two out of ten shots inside of ten feet from 100 yards and in, or some something of that along those lines, you would just never think that. You'd think they were inside ten feet maybe six, seven times out of ten. Yeah. Not even close. I mean, so, when I play with you, I feel like you're inside ten feet <laughs> seven times out I of ten. I do, too. And then I end up... <laughs> I, I usually feel like I'm that way, um, but statistically speaking, I'm obviously not. And even from like a greens and regulation perspective, you've got guys that are at the very top end hitting like 75% of greens. So that's 14 or like 13 and a half, 14 greens around. If I'm, I think I'm doing my math. No, yeah, it's close enough. 13 and a half or 14 and a half. I'd fuck if I know. Anywho, but you'd, you'd feel like those guys when they're on, in a tournament, they could hit 90% of the greens. Yep. Like, they're just not missing a shot, but they definitely do. So, um, well, another topic that we wanted to get into uh, a little bit today, it has to do with the Masters, but just our favorite Masters moment of all time. Everybody's kind of got that memory of when they first saw, not necessarily first saw the Masters, but first kind of fell in love with the Masters. You know, you that, it kind of just sticks out in your mind. For a lot of people, it's Tiger the the approach shot on the par five i mean it could be tiger winning last year um but we're gonna go us three here and 
and compare uh, first moments. So, Spencer, what was your, not first moment, but first favorite moment of the Masters that you can remember? So I'm going to go a little bit off that, not onto that topic, but not necessarily my favorite moment, but the most unbelievable moment. And before I do that, I'm going to give a few honorable mentions. So last year was fucking phenomenal when Bryson had a freak out on 10 when he couldn't find his drive. Oh, my God. That, like, last year, I have, like, four moments. Like, in the left rough, yeah. right? And he's losing his mind. He's like, where the fuck is my ball? Like, why can't I find it? And then, and then the best part was when they talked about it after and they found it, like, an hour later and right in the rough, like... So that was, that was like, a, a peak moment for me last year. Last year, I got s- super into the master. I mean, I get into it every year, but... I, I was at home. I was watching the whole thing. You I had, had COVID. I, yeah, I did have COVID. I wasn't going to really say oh, that. But. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you had COVID. <laughs> but I had COVID during the Masters. About perfect timing. Um, I didn't work it out that way. But I had four screens going, so I watched every little thing. And Bryson freaking out was one of those things. And also, the pure old man energy from Sandy Lyle last year in the overalls. Uh, 63-year-old Sandy Lyle is going to be teeing it up again this year. And he actually was like one or two under in the first day. Everybody was talking about him in the overalls. Just a phenomenal get-up for the Masters. But I'll say the first time I like really got into watching the Masters and the most incredible moment I remember is when Bubba Watson, I believe on the playoff hole, oh. hit a snap hook 52-degree oh. wedge. It was on 10. On 10. Yeah. It was and, nuts. And won the Masters that way. And I can't stand Bubba Watson. But no one knew that they couldn't stand him back then. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, he was just like a lefty, which I actually fuck with Bubba Watson heavy because he's never had a swing coach. Taught himself how to play when I he couldn't grew stand up. him like 15 minutes after because he just cried like he just watched his dog get hit by a car. Like, I'm sorry, that's a little dark, but he cried like an absolute baby. And I'm like, bro, I mean, you won the Masters. Like, that's awesome. But he just full-on like ugly cried and i was like i so, don't i don't like this guy so As, that's when i decided i didn't like the guy i don't know man i understand that take but i disagree <laughs> with it just because when you work your entire life or your entire adult life for something and then it finally comes true i just don't know if you can control the emotional response that you have but yeah i get that but at the same time he's like he's such a closet asshole like if you watch his web.com tour highlights it's just him being a dick to everybody for like 20 minutes since like 10 second clips for like 20 minutes of just him being an asshole to everybody. And and then like, okay, so that's more of my problem is I saw him crying and I wanted to feel bad for him or not feel bad for him, but like feel very happy for him. Like, oh, you've overcame so much when in reality, I am like, dude, you're a piece of shit. In my opinion, IMO, and I just don't like the guy. So it, when he cried, I was like. You're trying. You're doing this to me. You're trying to make me like you, but I know I don't like you. So it made me dislike him even more. That's, that does that make sense? That's a fair assessment. Fair. Yeah. So. That but that <laughs> shot like I just I'm I mean still the shot was amazing because like if you look at the stat cast of it or the the like tracer of that it's almost like unfathomable that you even tried that fucking shot. If you like you have like a seven iron, I can trap hook a seven iron with the best of them. But a, a goddamn gap wedge, and to do that and hit it as high as he did and land it, that was a moment where I was like, wow. Like, I thought I was pretty good at golf. I was in high school firing a couple of fucking 79s, and I was like, I'm not, even, I'm not even close at this point. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the coolest thing about Bubba is that he, he never sees a shot that he doesn't think he can do. And I respect that because, like, so many times I go out on the course and I'm like, oh, should I just punch this out? And I'm like, 
I paid to be here. I might as well try to hit the shot. And it never works out for me. But that that's a really good one. Actually, I have one quick story about Bubba Watson. And I actually respect it. Like, respect the shit out of it. I don't necessarily like the guy still. But Brendan Connolly, who we had on a while back, he caddies out at Estancia in uh, Scottsdale. And so Bubba Watson, what he does before he adds any club into the bag, before he brings it in, he plays an entire round with just that club. Right. And so when he put that forward in the bag, like years ago, he went around Estancia, which is one of the more challenging, I've never played it, but it's known as one of the more challenging courses uh, down in Scottsdale. He shot like one over. And he was putting with the four the four wood. He was hitting bunker shots with the four wood. He was I love it. You got to learn the club, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's very old school. Like I just flat out hate the dude's personality. I don't dislike his golf game, but I just don't like the I just don't like him personally. And he has iron covers on his irons. So. Did he put iron covers on? Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> that's yeah. That I will never like like he can do nothing to make me like him at this point. I just he's out. Yeah. This is cliche, but for me. It has to be Tiger hugging his son. Like when that happened, it was just like, w- like I teared up. Like I went, I went Bubba Watson on it. And <laughs> you went full waterworks. I wasn't expecting that to happen because I'm not like a Tiger stand by any means. I love Tiger. I mean, I think for most people our age, he's the one that like made golf cool. Um, so I've always liked Tiger, but I just wasn't expecting that. But that was such like an emotional moment when he won which most people didn't expect him to be able to do uh and had that moment i was like okay this is this is like this is like the peak of sports and all that and like come back even though it's kind of his fault that he had to have a comeback story but still it it was just cool to see him make that happen see i I was just gonna say i sound like a total prick again because that's what you are (laughs) that yeah i don't sound like it it. i am one (laughs) um but that's the whole thing is like Tiger wanted everyone to like tear up and like feel for him and be like rooting him on. It's not like he anything that happened in the past wasn't his own doing. I know. And, and, and I'm not knocking. That's you why for, I was not expecting to have that emotional response to yes, it. But it was totally. just like so it, I thought it was really real and really raw. And like I wasn't expecting to see that from him. And it was just like so I'm, I'm the kind of fan, especially in golf where the more everyone likes somebody, the less I like them. And maybe that's why I don't like Jordan Spieth. I don't really like Bubba Watson. I don't like Bryson DeChambeau. And I didn't like Tiger. Like, when Tiger, I liked him when he was kind of the villain. Like, he was mm. he was the guy that people loved him and respected his game, but he wasn't, like, the feel-good story. You know, he was the golden boy, whatever. But then he does all this stupid shit in his personal life, and then he makes a comeback and it makes me want to like feel something for him i'm like the dude's worth 250 million dollars like Very true. I, 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 money's not everything don't get me wrong but the guy by no means has it rough his he lives his life in the public eye but just same thing i'm like i should not be like feeling this for tiger like i should not feel bad for him he had already won 14 majors at that point like for if sure. he never played another round of golf i'd be like you know what I mean, he had one of the best careers ever, but then he won that Masters, and I was like, holy shit, this is touching me in a place I didn't think it would, just like you. But then it pissed me off, so I was like, why am I feeling this way for this guy kind of thing? So um, I'll switch it up just a hair. 
uh, not not necessarily switch it up, but this guy has not been mentioned yet, and he is one of Augusta's legendary uh, players, legendary winners. The Phil Mickelson jump in 2004 when he won his first ever major, and this was kind of like when he was at the point where he was the best player in the world to not have a major. I mean, he's he'll go down as a top, probably top 10 player of all time, but he won that first Masters in 04 with the famous, and that's his logo. I mean, he's he's very into yep. himself. Uh, and so his own logo is him jumping in the air at that 04 Masters. But then he went on to win two more Masters. He won an Open Championship, and he won a PGA, or a PGA Championship. So that, that elusive U.S. Open, is I don't think it's he's ever going to get one. I think he's kind of past his prime. But uh, that's just such an iconic moment. And, and Phil Mickelson just embodies – the fun in golf for me, I think he's also a closet dick. Like, I, I don't think he's necessarily like the guy that everybody thinks he is. But at the same time, it's just even, even when he's fake, I just still feel good about it. When he gives somebody that thumbs up, I'm like, I like that. So like, I, I, I've done a full 180 on Phil. I disliked him forever. And in like the last year or so, he's kind of won me over. Like the thing with Brady and, and Manning and Woods, like, he was so funny in that. I was like, all right, this guy, like, he's kind of a douche. Players on tour call him Fig Jam. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a... Okay. I was just, I well, well, tell the people what it means yeah. if they don't know. Fig Jam stands for fuck I'm good, just ask me. <laughs> and so, like, he definitely has some douchey tendencies. But over the last year, I'm just like, he's leaning into it. And I yeah. love that. Like, it, the stupid video he did, like, going into the Masters last year... Than the one he did before that, like he's he like he's embracing the fact that people see him that way and leaning into it, and I respect that about him. Yeah, he's like a modern day shooter, shooter McGavin. Totally, hundred percent. Like I could see him like telling people to fuck off if they wanted an autograph from him. That's just the kind of dude he is. <laughs> but we all kind of know he is that, so that's why I don't mind him. But yeah, that that was one of the first memories I really can recall of the Masters. I was like, holy shit, that's super cool. Just the the elation I, is that a word elation? yeah sure sweet yeah just the <laughs> how elated he was to win that first major and then he went on to win four more and just have a a legendary career uh really cool to see it start at augusta and that's one of my all-time favorites yeah i think the thing with phil that like rk spoke on and just i think a lot of tour players in general the only like when there's hot mics now like there has been the last year their tour players are so funny, and are, do they say some things that are get canceled? Yes, that's obvious. That's happened, but I feel like when they're in that raw emotion, like if they if they got more tour players to do the whole match thing where they get to talk shit to each other and have a good time and like it's serious, but it's not like tour serious. There'd be the the, the PGA Tour could grow their brand so much by like letting players get out there and be who they are on the course because even just playing with like mid level not tour players but like we play with many tour guys all the time and stuff like that they say the funniest shit and there's just the weirdest golf lingo and things that they say and it makes you like them so much more and it's just hilarious and yeah phil, it just makes them more relatable like i i think in and phil especially with his just go get it aggressive style of game i think a lot of people relate to that they're like fuck that i'm not laying up i'm not taking a drop from this hospitality tent uh, you know, he just gets after it, and he doesn't care. I mean, not everybody has the benefit he does of having his bank account. So, 
he but the fact that he enters every PGA Tour event and he's like if I win if I my goal is to win and if I don't win I don't care what I finish like he just goes for it every time there's never a shot that he's not going to try to pull off and you just have to love that it's it's must watch TV every time he's on the golf course so that I, I do really like Phil now all right so now we're going to give you guys our DraftKings picks for this Masters. But before we do that, we got to tell you guys about DraftKings and what they're doing for you this week and this week only. So we all know the Masters is like the Super Bowl of golf. And so they're giving you 100 to 1 odds on a player to make the, make the top 10 in the Masters. So if you log on to DraftKings.com or DraftKings Sportsbook in Colorado and you use our code DNVR, they're going to give you a 100 to 1 odds on any player to make the top 10. We're going to follow this up with giving you some players to make the top 10. So if you do that, let one of us know that you did that, and you're, we'll basically Venmo you $100 if it doesn't win. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Say, yeah. my, my, these picks are a little sketchy. Golf is always sketchy. We talk about it every week. Um, but we did almost have a winner last week with Charlie Hoffman, and we had a couple of top 20s. So head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook and turn $1 into $100 if any golfer that you pick, probably Dustin Johnson, that's a safe one, finishes in the top 10. So download the top-rated top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code DNVR when you sign up, and you're turning $1 into 100 and then the account just goes to the moon from there. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. All right, boys, let's get down to it. All right. All right. So we each, well, Spencer took multiple picks. I took one guy to keep an eye out on that is not necessarily... Uh, high on the odds list. He's not one of the favorites by any means, but he's finished really well here. Um, in terms of his career play, jeez, uh, career play at Augusta. Um, so I'm rolling with Justin Rose to top 10 at plus 650. He has five career top 10s and four top fives and two or second place finishes. He's always been that guy that feels like he's right there on Sunday at Augusta. And hasn't gotten it done, but he's always hanging around the top ten. His swing is still as good as as it's ever has been. I don't know if his short game is quite where it needs to be or not, but um, he's not really at the peak of his game right now, and that's why you're getting him at good odds. But I do like Justin, to or I'm sorry, Justin Rose plus six fifty to top ten this week. Um, should I roll with my winner? Or should we go? Yeah, just roll with all of them. Roll. Okay, and then so my winner is going to be John Rahm at plus 1250. And I know his odds are not great, but the guy has seven top tens and 11 starts this year. He's playing great golf. And the key factor here is that he just had a, his wife just had a kid. <laughs> he didn't have a kid. They had a kid. His wife had the kid this week. Like Thanks what? for the biology My, lesson. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, just making it clear what happened there. Uh, big dad energy. Big, yeah, he's got big dad energy. Uh, there's really nothing to put a game in perspective like creating another life and bringing another life into the world. Same with Sergio Garcia back in the day. I'd, he named his daughter Azalea after he won the Masters. So 
Uh, John Rom didn't name his kid like Dagwood or anything like that, which is unfortunate because <laughs> I would have loved his odds at that point. Dag for short, not oh, bad. Oh, that's a pretty cool name. I, I actually might Dag Rom. Da- that is that I actually love that name. Jacob Dag Rom. <laughs> okay, but John Rom plus twelve fifty. He played really well. I think he finished T six last year, T five, um, just five months ago there. And he's been playing really well this whole season. So, and he hasn't won this year. So there you go. Uh, see, Pick somebody so who hasn't won this year. You're contradicting all the things you just said. I, I'm just I, I'm rolling with your logic. If somebody hasn't won, they're they're due for one, right? All right. So I'm picking John Rom to win a plus twelve fifty. Respect it. All right. So I'm gonna start this out because I'm picking. I've got four picks. I've got a top twenty, a top ten, a top five, and a winner. But, just so this is on record before this tournament starts, I am sprinkling, as the DNVR bets guys say, Yes. I am sprinkling on all these players to win. So, if they win, next week I'm coming on this podcast and I am declaring that I called a winner. So, let me just ask you this. How many are you sprinkling? Five? I'm sprinkling four. Four. Are you, a, are you looking for the buyout? Or are you riding it? Because, like, let's say you have... You you sprinkle four guys, three of them are in contention going into Sunday. Are you gonna just ride them out, hope that you get the one right, or you take a buyout to recoup some winnings? I think I go full buyout mode. I oh, I, I bought out on a Nikola Jokic MVP bet that I'll be sick to for the rest of my life. But see, that's the thing. Once a buyer, once a buyer out or always a buy. You can't like you yeah. Can't, it's one of those. If where you hit you on sixteen, you have to always hit on sixteen or yep. never hit on sixteen. It's a commitment thing for sure. So I will take a buyout. I'm gonna be, I'm going to be live betting the hell out of this tournament all week, and live betting fairways, live betting greens and regulation, all that stuff on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So, all right. So for my top 20 play, this is kind of just a gut play. I didn't do, I did. I mean, I did my research here, but this is a guy that's not really gonna jump off the page at you on any certain st- statistical category, especially in the game of golf where there's so many stats. But this guy always seems to, like, fire a low-ass Saturday and put himself in contention. Contention, And just for a top 20, he's plus 188, and that's Tommy Fleetwood. Mm. And he just has a sweet golf swing. He hits the ball super solid. Those are great odds for a top 20, I would say. Yeah, in because honesty. in top betting top 20s are fun because I'm still getting plus odds here. But he could be 30th going into the last day. He can and, make the cut and, on the number and, and be out of it top and backdoor top 20. So I'm taking Tommy Fleetwood plus 188 to top 20 it. And then moving into the top 10, this is kind of a, a sucker pick because I really loved watching this guy last year at the Masters. He got second. He played his ass off in his first ever trip to Augusta. Now he's going to be back there for a second time in five months. He is plus 400 to be in the top 10. He's 19th in the world right now. Like I said, he got second last year. He's sixth in strokes gained off the tee, 27th in strokes gained putting, and he's eighth in driving accuracy, which is obviously a big deal at a lot of golf tournaments, but especially a big deal at Augusta, and that's Sun J.M. So Sun J.M. to top 10 it, he's plus 400. So that's risk a unit to collect five units and win four units. My top five, this is more of a sleeper pick. I think this guy has a chance to win it. He's played some really good golf as of very recently, so that pulled me kind of towards his way. He's got a great short game and a great iron game, which at Augusta, if you're going to put anything over another stat, the short, you know, strokes gained 
uh, around, around the green, the green and, and approach. approach. Those are the two because it's tough to putt there, and especially if the greens are fast and hard, it's going to be tough to putt, and there's a lot of pressure. So I'm going to go with top five, Gary Woodland, mm. plus 1,600. Uh, I think that's great value there. And a top five, is they're fun to bet, too, because you're getting really good odds, but they don't have to win the tournament. Like There's going to be two guys this week that top five it that are, have crazy long odds. It just happens in every golf tournament every week. And then I went back and forth on this guy for a while, but I think he's locked in enough to where he's going to take this one home. He's your recent players champion. He has got a new sponsorship. He's he's moved past the whole issue earlier this year. He's plus 1250, so he's one of the favorites, but Justin Thomas to win the Masters at plus 1250. He's fifth in stroke uh, he's fifth in strokes gained tee to green and first overall in strokes gained on the entire PGA Tour. He's second in the official world golf ranking right now. He's just as good as anybody out there. He can compete with Dustin Johnson. I don't think Dustin's going to go back to back. He's made all five cuts in Masters and he's got four top 25s and he's he's been first, second and third in three different tournaments this year in 2021. So, take Justin Thomas to win the Masters at plus 1250. I love JT. Like I'll be stoked if JT wins uh, this. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's just one. He's a guy that he's like a, he's like a diet Jordan Spieth in the fact of like people love him and when he's in a good and when he's playing well in a tournament he's an electric factory. Well, yeah. Real quick, the irony of it is is Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, well advertised our best buddies, and everybody when Jordan Spieth came out uh, of college, crazy hot. Everyone's like he's the golden boy. Justin Thomas was in the background, kind of plodding his way along you know climbing up leaderboards and things like that and low-key like justin thomas is will probably end up i i would bet a fair amount that justin thomas will end up having a better career than jordan spieth so it, it's one of those where it's not how you start it's how you finish kind of thing yep i feel like he is in control of his swing as much if not more than anyone on tour yeah just he feels just so dialed in with like w the way that he plays. Well, and he's not like bad at anything. That's what's that's what's crazy about Justin Thomas. Like no, compared to the regular twenty handicap PGA tours aren't bad. Players aren't bad at anything. But like on tour and like compared to all other tour players, like you see some players that are great drivers of the ball can't putt. Like Justin Thomas puts it all. He's like a total package type of dude. So I feel like this is his year to break out and finally win at at Augusta. Sweet. Well. Speaking of Jordan Spieth, you guys mentioned something that you really like about him is he's stuck with what worked for him. He, as I say, he danced with the ones that brought him. <laughs> Love to dance with the ones that brought you. And the one that brought me is Colin Morikawa. I knew this was coming. I got to go to my guy. He's plus, what is it? Plus, oh God, I lost it. Uh, 3250, I think it was 3150 plus 3150 to win, which is pretty those damn good odds, odds for yeah, a like really, really good golfer. Um, that is my winner. I think that he's a guy who I'll bet on to win any major, um, because I think that he's just that type of golfer. He's got a slow heartbeat when it comes down to it. Um, I love him. And uh, for, at thirty-one fifty, I I think it's a really great. I think it's really great odds. Well, when sure. you when you make a pick, and we're still shooting for this level that you got to, but when you make a pick to win a tournament, and he goes out and wins wire the to tournament, wire. you you just you can't not bet the dude. Yeah, you can't not do it. You're just it's love from if from he's that playing, on. you're betting on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel. Um, and then funny enough, I also really liked Gary Woodland <laughs> uh, when when we were talking about our picks before the show. 
I wasn't listening to what Spencer and Mitch were saying because I was getting my picks ready. And I was like, I think I think I like Gary Woodland. And both of them gave me this like blanks there. And they're like, All right, wait, are you joking? Spencer literally just said that two seconds ago. So I'm glad we're uh, we're synced up on that. As for my long shot, which plus 10,000 odds, I got that is what are you doing? Well, I'm just saying like when you pick if you get it like have a parlay that's plus 10,000, that's like an insane parlay. Like yeah. that's like a 10 legger or something like that. Um and I don't I think golf is the best place to hit a plus 10,000. And agree. especially if you have those odds and this person is in contention, the buyout is going to be insane. I like Max Homa. He's a guy who's won this year, very good golfer. As uh, Mitch called him, the man of the people. Um, he's the best, fun the best Twitter, Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, best Twitter account. Fun to root for. Uh, kind of a shit talker. Love that about him. And uh, at plus 10,000, again, I think that's that's really good odds for a guy who wins golf tournaments. That's 100%. Mu- much better than what was his pick last year? That Jim, Jim Furyk. That's where I thought he was going again. That shit was going to piss me off. <laughs> I don't. Did he even qualify this year? He qualifies every year because he won. Oh, did he win a Masters? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's why I picked him. Let's see if I can find him on here. Uh, His odds. I don't even know if they put him out. He might not be playing. (laughs) I don't see him on here. Are you positive he won a Masters? Yes. I guess that would be the only reason he got in last year. He He shot, like, one of the best rounds in the history of the tournament on Saturday and won it. Or maybe on Sunday. Why Why do I not remember this? Sorry to... Because I think it was in like the mid-90s. Oh, he won in... Oh, no. He's never won a Masters. Okay. Well, that's what I get. <laughs> I was going to say, I could have sworn I've never seen him win a Masters. He's won one major. He won the U.S. Open in 03. And the dude can't hit it out of his own shadow, so... <laughs> Uh, you know you can't like him at Augusta. You just he had, he had. Oh wait, never mind. That was this article from 2016. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah. He's not playing. Yeah, it's wrist surgery, but no. I swear. Okay, well, let me let me just see something. I'm pretty sure he has the record for low round in a Masters. Really? I I could be wrong about that too, though. I'm, I'm on I, a cold a streak feel, right now. I have a feeling you are. I could be wrong also, but. Maybe Dude, with that some, golf he, swing, how could you not? I mean, play he well? does have one of the only 59s in in PG Tour history. No, I'm sorry, he shot 58 at TPC River Highlands back in the day. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, is that what you're thinking of? I think he's got the the lowest round ever on tour, tied for the lowest round ever on tour with a 58. Uh, I love Jim Furyk's game at the Champions Tour level now, but you get him out there <laughs> at the big boys at Augusta. I'm not picking him. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just had to. I, that's he's got why two I, fourth places. Okay. At the Masters. Yeah. That's, so he's been there. He's yeah. Been, he's, he's been there. Done that. It. He's a legend. All right, guys. So that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Appreciate you guys all listening to our preview of the Masters. We're gonna have some stuff this weekend. We're gonna go live and be talking about the Masters on the back nine of Sunday. So make sure to tune in for that. As always, follow me on Twitter at Big Drive Spence. Follow my bro here at Big Drive Mitch and my other my brother from another mother. RK at Ryan Konigsberg and definitely follow our DNVR underscore golf account on Twitter. We just posted today. So we have a master's fantasy game and we are giving away a free DNVR shirt, a dozen golf balls and a golf hat to the winner. So it's free to play. 
go to our Twitter account, go to our pinned tweet, put your lineup in and see if you can beat all of our picks this week. Uh, enjoy the Masters as always. I know we will. It is truly one of the greatest, not just golf tournaments, but events in all of sports. So, And I, and this may be a hot take to leave us off or leave, end the podcast, but I'm actually glad Tiger's not playing this year because he hogs so much TV coverage every year at this tournament that I think a lot of other guys are going to get some run, and whoever ends up winning that is... I mean, obviously not under the circumstances that he's not playing, but yes. I, well, yeah, I no, I'm I'm just happy for in the golf tournament. We don't yes. have to watch Tiger Woods make a 10 on a par 3, I mean, which he did six months ago. In a car accident, but yeah, I mean, no. the fact he's not playing. All right, well, get well soon, Tiger. We are shouts, out. Tiger. <laughs> Peace. I just think that was funny.